Have you ever felt that some Bible studies are too much? You know, they're too long, they're too deep, they're too serious, they're too theological, and yeah, maybe they're too boring. <laughs> well, we're going to try to remedy that with this podcast, the Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. We're going to take a close look at Scripture. We're going to look at the cellular base of what God was saying through His Word. But we're not going to make it too much of anything. We're going to try to make it just right for everything. Now, when we talk about the Christmas story, we all know about the wise men, right? About the magi. But you can't talk about the wise men, you can't talk about the magi without also talking about the star. We call it the star of Bethlehem. But I don't think what the wise men saw, what the magi saw, I don't think it was a real star. I don't think it was the kind of star that we see when we look into the sky at night. I don't think that that's what they saw. I think they saw something more supernatural than that, more even divine than that, something that could move. A star doesn't move. And the Bible specifically says that this thing that the wise men saw moved to Bethlehem, to the specific house where Jesus was. So what was it if it wasn't a star? Well, that's what this Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study is all about. So, yeah, we're going to talk about the wise men today. But you can't talk about the wise men without first talking about what? The star, right? We have been looking this Advent season at an Old Testament Christmas. What, where can we find Christmas in the Old Testament? And the star of Christmas is found in the Old Testament. So if you want to turn there, it's in Numbers chapter 24. Numbers 24. And the first comment I want to make is going to be very controversial for you. But I think I'm right. And <laughs> someone said, of course, and it wasn't my wife. That's not true. Uh, and this is, this is the question I have before you, and that is, when is a star not a star? And the answer to that question is, when is the Christmas star? Because I believe that the Christmas star was not an actual star. And so you're going to say to me, but doesn't the Bible say that it was a star? 
Yes, it does say, if you have it there, you can go to Numbers 24, verse 17. And it says, I see him, yet not at this moment. I behold him, yet not in this location, for a star will come from Jacob, a scepter will arise from Israel. So, hey, great, it's a star right there. So what do you mean it's not a star? The Bible says it's a star. In, in Numbers, the, uh, Luke, I mean, uh, Matthew says it was a star. Uh, it's a star, 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 star. How can it not be a star? And uh, I want to say that for one thing is that the word translated here as star could also be translated as a shining or a brightness, especially that is something that is shining or bright at nighttime. So what is shining and bright at nighttime? A star, right? So if you were God, and if you wanted some specific people at some specific time to see some specific sign that they would recognize in their own human capacity to recognize it, well, then wouldn't you call it a star, even though it may not be actually the kind of star that you see at night normally? But if you want these people at a specific, a specific people at a specific time, at a specific place for a specific reason, to see this sign and to understand what it was, and it looks like a star, wouldn't you then call it a star in your word and in your scripture so that when those people do see that thing, they'll recognize it as the sign that they were waiting for? So let me give you an example of this as a possibility. So have you ever heard of Longaburger Basket? So Longaburger Basket, if you go to their, their office somewhere in Ohio, their office, which I think they're out of business now, but at the time, it looks like it literally looks like a basket. Okay, I've been there. You drive past it, you go, that is like a huge basket. It looks. You can Google it. It looks exactly like a basket. Well, if I was lost and I needed to go to Longerberger Basket, and I stopped to someone in the area, and I would say, how do I get there? And they would say, you don't need directions. Just go down this road until you see the basket. Well, it's not really a basket. You can't put any food in it. You can't, it's an office, but it looks like, but you call it a basket, so it looks like a basket. And Jan's parents' hometown down where they live in Virginia, there's an outcropping on one of the hills there that you refer to as stone face. Well, they call it stone face because why? It looks like a face. It literally looks like the outline of a face. So again, you say, go down here, go to that place, and, and look for the stone face. Well, it is made out of stone, but it's not a face. But you call it a face because it looks like a face. So that's why I think that the Christmas star was not a star, but God called it a star. So it was his way of saying, this is the thing that you're looking for. The other reasons that I don't think it was an actual star is because actual stars do not appear and then disappear. And I am convinced, and last time, last year, we talked about this in this class, and you guys disagreed with me, and that's okay. 
you're allowed to not agree with me. But I think if you read the scripture closely, you'll see, I believe, that the star appeared to them. They saw it. They knew what it was. They knew where they had to go. They started out, and the star disappeared. And that's why they ended up in Jerusalem, and that's why, and not Bethlehem, and that's why they ended up going to Herod, because they were lost. They couldn't find this king that was born. But where would you, if you, at that day, assumed that this special king was born in Israel, where would you go? You would go to Jerusalem. That's the capital city. That's where all the action is. That's where all the religion is located. That's, you would just assume if there's a king of the Jews that is the special king, it's going to be, he's going to be born in Jerusalem and everybody's going to know about it. So let's just go to Jerusalem and just ask him where he is because everyone's going to know. And that's obviously where it's going to have to be. But they went to the wrong place. Well, they wouldn't go to the wrong place if the star was guiding them to Bethlehem. So I think this star appeared and just stars don't appear and disappear. The other thing is, stars don't move. Boom, they're there and they stay there and they're static. This star moved because once they leave Herod and they're told to go to Bethlehem, the star reappears and it says the star led them to the specific house where Jesus was. Well, the thing that it was that's not a star, that could move, but a star cannot move. So that's why I think, these are some of the reasons I think it wasn't a real star. So if it wasn't a star, what was it? Well, there's something known in theology as the Shekinah, the Shekinah glory, or the Shekinah shining, or the Shekinah brightness of God. And basically, the definition of Shekinah means dwelling. It's the dwelling of God, the dwelling place of God, or you could say it's the presence of God. And we find it in the Old Testament. So if you want, look at Exodus. Go to Exodus uh, 14. Exodus 14. Okay. And we're going to look at... um, Verse 23. Exodus 14:23. It says, But the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came about during the morning watch that Adonai, the Lord, looked at the army of the Egyptians through what? the pillar of fire and the cloud and caused the army of the Egyptians to panic. So God is present in the pillar of fire and the cloud. So this pillar of fire is representing, is is God's presence among his people. It's a form of the Shekinah glory, the Shekinah brightness and shining we're talking about. He goes on to say, uh, through the pillar of fire and and the cloud and caused the army of the Egyptians to panic. He took off their chariot wheels and caused them to drive heavily so that the Egyptians said, get away from the what? Presence of Israel or the presence of Israel's God for Adonai, the Lord, fights for them against the Egyptians. So the pillar of fire was God's Shekinah, his presence among his people. And what did, the, what did that pillar of fire do? It moved. 
from place to place, showing them where to go. This was also the same later on when they would build the tabernacle. We have in Scripture in the Old Testament where God's presence came into the tabernacle, and it was represented as this bright light, this Shekinah shining glory that they could physically see. And it was God coming in his presence into his dwelling place, into the tabernacle at that time. And later on, because they were so disobedient, the Shekinah glory left the temple. And they could see God's presence leaving them because of their disobedience. So the Shekinah glory could move. And the Shekinah glory, the Shekinah brightness and shining of the Lord was also present at Jesus' birth. Oh, what? So... Go to Luke, where we just were a minute ago, with uh, Joe. So go to Luke uh, 2, Matthew, Mark, Luke, here we go. So it's basically the same exact verse that Joe read for us. 2, 8. Now there were shepherds in the same region, living out in the fields and guarding their flock at night. Suddenly an angel of the Adonai of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord of Adonai shone all around them. This word here translated as glory is doxa in Greek, and it is the basically the the Greek New Testament, it's it's the equal, it's the, the, the same thing as Shekinah in the Old Testament. This is the New Testament way to talk about it in the in the Greek language. But it's the same the same idea. Shekinah and glory, God's glory, the glory of the Lord is the same thing. So what we're saying is here that on Jesus' birthday, when the angels appeared, and it says, and the glory of the Lord, it means the brightness or the shining of the Lord, the Shekinah of the Lord, what did it do? It shone. It was shining. It's shown all around them. So here we have at Jesus' birth, the Shekinah glory, the Shekinah shining, the Shekinah brightness, the presence of God shining at his birth and his coming, uh, his first coming uh, into the world in Bethlehem that day. So I think that what the star was, was not a star, but the Shekinah glory, the shining, the brightness of God that was able to be there so they could see it and tell them what to do and where to go, basically where to go. And then it disappeared. And then when they left Herod, it reappeared. It moved to the place in Bethlehem where Jesus was, the specific house where he was located. And this is, and, and it was part of his birth and part of the wise men coming to, part of his birth where the, the, the shepherds came and worshiped him. And then part of his, later on in his, and you saw there in the in the video, he's more now like about one or two years old. This is when the wise men came. Uh, so the Shekinah is there and present at his birth when the shepherds came and worshipped him, and the Shekinah was present through the star later on when the wise men came to worship him. So and and the interesting part there, if you want to take it even further and, and being symbolic, is the shepherds were Jewish. And so when they came to worship him, it represents the worship of the Jewish nation, those who did believe in him from the Jewish uh, tradition, tradition, Jewish religion. And then the wise men came who were not Jewish. They were pagans. They were Gentiles. 
and that represents the Gentile world worshiping him. So you have both at his birth at Bethlehem when Shekinah was there and God's presence was, was you know, uh, investing in that, uh, uh, saying, this is my son. The Jewish world worshiped him. And then later through the Shekinah glory of the star, we have the, the Gentiles worshiping him. So that's why I don't think the star was actually a star. Now, why was it the wise men? Why did we have wise men? Who were they? Where did they come from? And what is their story? So I have to disagree with uh, David Jeremiah here on this because the, <laughs> I'm treading dangerous waters, I know. But the Magi were not kings. They really were not kings. Uh, what they were was king makers. They were king makers. In that land and in that time, you could not become king in, in the, the, the pagan world, in, in the mid, Middle East where they came from, like around Babylon and that area. Uh, you could not become, for example, you could not become king of Babylon unless the wise men, the Magi, gave you their, okay, okay, this guy can be king, okay? So they were royal king makers, not kings themselves. Uh, they were, the Magi was an ancient tribe. They went way back in history. Uh, they were, uh, for all intents and purposes, a priestly tribe. They did perform sacrifices. They did perform religious rites, but they were pagan in nature. They weren't Jewish, they weren't, you know, Christian, uh, as it were. And uh, they are not only found in the New Testament. You read in the New Testament, you're like, oh, where do these guys come from? I never heard of them before. Actually, they are in the Old Testament. So if you want to look just quickly, uh, we'll go back to uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah, our good friend Jeremiah, verse 39. Verse 39 of Jeremiah. Chapter 30. I'm sorry, chapter, I keep saying that. Chapter 39, <laughs> thank you, Sarah, of Jeremiah. And uh, I'm going to look at, let's start with, um, oh, what? Uh, I guess verse 1 there. Now, when Jerusalem was captured in the ninth year of King Zedekiah of Judah and the tenth month, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and all his army advanced against Jerusalem and besieged it. On the ninth day of the fourth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the city wall was broken through. Then all the officials of the king of Babylon came in and sat in the middle gate. And here are their names, Nergal, Sarezer, Samgar, Nebo, excuse me, I can't pronounce it, but Sarsichim, the Rabsaras, Nergal, Sarezer, the Rab. Now, what do you say after Nergal, Sarezer? What do you have? High official. Does anybody have anything else other than high official? Okay. Well, in the original Hebrew, it's Nergal Sharizer, the Rabmaj, the Rabmaj, R-A-B-M-A-G, the Rabmaj, and the rest of the officials of Babylon's king. So you have two people here with the same name. You have uh, Nergal Sharizer, Samgar Nebo, or from Sam Samgar, something like that on yours, right? Okay. And then you have another guy who has the same name, Nogal Sarezer, the high official, or the Rabmaj. Okay, then go over to verse 13. 
of 39. So Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, sent word, so whatever. (laughs) The Rabsaris and Nergosarizer, the Rabmaj, or the high official you probably have, and all the chief officers of the king of Babylon sent and brought Jeremiah out of the guard's courtyard and gave him to Gadali, the son of Ahakim, uh, son of Shaphan, and take him home. So he dwelt among the people. So they basically were, they released, a, released a Jeremiah from prison, as it were. So the bottom line is, this Nergal Sarezer, the Rabmaj in Hebrew, Rabmaj means chief magi. So he was the chief magi of, ba- of King Nebuchadnezzar's court for a while. But if you want to find out something that happened later on, go to Daniel. Let's go to Daniel. So Daniel chapter 4. But you're going to be surprised when you read this. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and flourishing in my palace. I had a dream that frightened me. While on my bed, the images and visions of my mind terrified me. So I issued a decree to bring all the wise men, all the magi of Babylon before me, so that they could make known to me the meaning of the dream. When the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and diviners came in, I recounted the dream to them, but they were unable to make known its interpretation to me. Finally, Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of holy God. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar gave him all different names. Came in before me, and I told him the dream. I said, Belteshazzar, master of the magicians. So Nebuchadnezzar made Daniel the master magi of his court. And to back that up, turn over to chapter 5 for just a quick minute. Chapter 5 is about the handwriting on the wall, and it's about a king named King Belshazzar, who is the son of Nebuchadnezzar, and the handwriting on the wall. So go to verse 11, and this is where Belshazzar's wife is telling Belshazzar what to do because Belshazzar is so afraid about what the writing on the wall said and he couldn't interpret it. And so she says to him in verse 11, there is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the days of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods. So King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, made him what? Chief of the magicians, chief of the magi. So Daniel becomes the chief magi of um, of Nebuchadnezzar's court and Belshazzar's court and the uh, the, the the Babylonian court of, uh, and he's the he's in, he's ahead of all he's like it's like there's a bunch of them right they're astrologers and Chaldeans and all these people and he has been made the the boss he's the boss guy so what happens is. I think we have this kind of in our in our mind as we read about the wise men at Christmas that these random wise men just happened to be lucky and just happened to happenstance as they were looking into the stars that they normally did and they see uh, a new star and then they they come to you know to Bethlehem. But that's not really what did happen because what would Daniel have been telling these people? Daniel is a Jew. Daniel knows the scripture. Daniel knows numbers. And he knows 
about the star that's going to appear and what it's going to mean. And he knows it's going to mean not just a king, but also a priest. And not just a king and a priest, but also the Messiah. This is the, the sign of the Messiah being born. And he shared this and taught this to all of the other magi of Babylon. And for 600 years, they've been passing this story down among themselves that this star is going to appear and it's going to be this, this king to worship is going to be born. God himself is going to be born, the Messiah. Well, if you turn over just quickly to chapter 9 of Daniel. <laughs> of Daniel, Daniel, Okay, we did this, and this takes a whole Sunday school class, so we're not going to get into it today, but we did it before. Chapter 9 of Daniel basically gives the time frame of what's going to be happening to Daniel. So just quickly, he says, uh, verse 25 of of chapter 9, So no one understand from the issuing of the decree to restore and to build Jerusalem until the time of the Messiah, the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks, and if this will be rebuilt and blah, 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 then it'll be 62. And so all of this is, is just, um, if you can do the math, and if you do the math, then you know exactly when Jesus was to be born. Because Daniel, God gave us through Daniel the exact time when it would happen, pretty much. Right here. So Daniel is also telling the Magi about this time frame. This is what the star is going to meet, and this is what's going to happen. And they passed that down all of these years. So the, the, the Magi, the wise men, are sitting there in the Middle East, around, in and around Babylon, and they've done the math, and they say, this should be happening any day. This should be happening any day. This is the time. So they weren't just acting, oh, just saying, oh. No, every, every night they went out and said, is this the night? Is this the night? Will we see the star tonight? And they had this wonderful expectation of this special king being born. And that's why when they saw it, can you imagine? Oh, we saw it. We get excited about Christmas, right? Christmas morning is kids. Oh, and we have this, we have all this Advent is all this expectation and anticipation of Jesus being born. And this is what they were experiencing. We expect it, but any day, when is it? We keep waiting and waiting and waiting. And, waiting. and then when Christmas Day comes, it's, oh, it's Christmas Day! And that's the way they were. There it is! After 600 years, after 483 years of waiting, there it is! Just like Daniel said, just like his God said. And what do you do? You go, and you, and you see, and you go and you prepare to worship this king. And so, uh, yes, um, the wise men uh, were king makers. And when they brought Jesus the gifts, they brought gold, because that's what they gave to a king. They brought frankincense, because that was used in religious worship. And they brought that to him as the priest that he was. And then they brought myrrh, which myrrh was used in the burial preparation of the body to, to once it died. And why do they bring myrrh? We know looking back, we know the rest of the story and how that that gave a, a, a preview of what was going to happen when the women brought spices, when Joseph and Nicodemus brought spices. Certainly 
Murr was part of that. But at the time, they didn't know that. That was just a God thing saying, because what God says sometimes to you is, you'll understand it someday. You're not, you may not understand it now, just have faith. You understand it. So I say a lot of times, God only makes sense in hindsight. So, for example, and this will be the end, we'll end it with this. Um, when I was, uh, when was it, uh, Friday? I was working on my computer and I spilled a whole lot of uh, sweet tea in, in, into my computer through the keyboard. And uh, praise the Lord, it was still functional, except that the mouse didn't work very well. So Jan went out and bought me a new mouse, and so we tried it Friday, and it worked okay. And then yesterday, I normally don't, I don't always go on my computer when I'm preparing my lesson. Uh, Most of the time I don't, uh, but yesterday I wanted to go on my computer, I wanted to see if my mouse was working right. And so I went on my computer, and as as I was testing out my mouse, I ended up on this video teaching about the wise men. And it showed me some things that I hadn't really thought of before that I've shared with you today. And I thought, you know, if I hadn't spilled my tea, if I hadn't had to get a new mouse, I wouldn't have known all the things I know to share with you today. It was new to me too. And I thought, well, that's what God was doing. He he made me spill my tea because he wanted me to see this so I could share it with you. So he brought myrrh because they didn't know, but later on, they said that's why it was myrrh. So, okay, that's it. We have to go to prayer time. So uh, you guys have a wonderful Christmas. I won't see you before then, and I hope you have a great week and that the wise men come. And that's one thing I think, you know, it's cool. To, it's, the star is cool. Oh, the other thing I want to say was this. Ah, okay. I can't go with that. I'm sorry. I have to. So go to, just, just real quick. Go to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Matthew 24. I, we, can't end with, we can't end without this. So Matthew 24. Uh, we're going to go to verse 30. This is Jesus' second coming. Okay? This is not complete. You can't get it all without this. 2430. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. This is when he, the second coming. And then all the tribes of the land will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and what? Great glory. It's the same exact word used in Luke for when the angels, the great glory. So in his first coming, the Shekinah appeared of God. And in the next coming, the Shekinah glory will come again. So the Shekinah glory was part of the first coming. The Shekinah glory is going to be part of the second coming. And so, yeah, doesn't that make sense? So, and then lastly, go to Revelation 22, Revelation 22, Revelation 22, verse uh, 16. I, Yeshua, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify these things to you for my church, churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the what? Bright and morning star. Okay, wraps it up, right? So my point was, being a star is cool for Christmas carols and Christmas cards, it's kind of cool, but is it even cooler to think it was the presence of God pointing, he was personally pointing to, to Jesus? And here's the other cool thing, if you go all the way, it's the last thing, last thing I'm gonna say, I promise. If you go all the way back to Numbers, if you go all the way back to Numbers 2417, this, is applicable both to his first coming and to his second coming. So the Shekinah shining predicted in Numbers 
is the Shekinah glory of his first coming and the Shekinah glory of his second coming. It says, I see him, yet not at this moment. I behold him, yet not at this location. For a star, a shining, a brightness, the presence of God will come from Jacob. A scepter will rise from Israel. That is a prediction and prophecy of his first coming. And it's just as good for it, maybe even better for a second coming. So, okay, I'm done. That concludes this episode of Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. I pray that you've learned something new about the Lord today, and He's given you some new insight into who He is and how much He loves you. Remember, the eternal God is our refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. May in that refuge today and those everlasting arms you find the provision that you need, the protection that you need, the power that you need, and through those, the peace that you need. Remember, he said, my peace I give you, peace be with you. Shalom.